This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KOW News Radio's Greg Willandini with Mike Servetio from the Philly Soccer Page. This week, Philadelphia Union defender Jack Elliott is our guest. Plus, we get the fans' perspective on the world of soccer. Coming off a personally great game with the, the two goals against New England as a really big win for uh, for the team on the road. You, you, the road form for the team's a lot better than it's been in the last couple seasons. Uh, kind of, where, where's the locker room right now? What's, what's, what's the mood right now with the team? Obviously, uh, good energy in there right now, and you can expect that after a good, well, good week, good end of the week last week with uh, Chicago and the win at New England. Um, yeah, it's, it's good in there at the moment. So, you get the the. Uh... The two goals against New England, uh, first time a Union defender has ever scored a brace. Uh, I think it's the first ever backheel goal from a Union defender. Um, is the is the first goal a, a training ground move uh, that you guys had worked on? And, and what was it like to just net those two goals? Uh, I mean, yeah, we were practicing. Uh, we always wanted to play short against them. And I just managed to lose my runner and the ball set up perfectly for a piece of skill like that. And, just it was almost instinct to to do something like that to me. So it wasn't wasn't perfectly drawn up like that, but it was a it was a good estimation. So you guys are sitting, you know, you got the got the final coming up in a few weeks, but uh as important almost maybe even more importantly, you guys are in a playoff spot. You're in the fifth spot, you know, after kind of struggling below that line. Um how important is it, do you think, for for this team right now to get back into the playoffs after missing last season? Uh, obviously, that's the, that's the goal of any team in this league, and uh, we have high ambitions for the season as getting into the playoffs and making a run and you know, finishing off the Open Cup uh, and winning that. And hopefully, we can we can manage to do that and with the win. This weekend against New York City, I think we can we can start to push more, and then the week after against New England again is another very important game against the team that that's around the the playoff line too. Let's talk a little bit about New York. Um, they're obviously coming in um, as one of the teams that is is above the Union in the standings um, with a very potent attack. What are you guys doing to prepare for their attack this weekend? I mean, every time you play New York City, they've always got uh, their quality players and Salvia just coming back. Obviously, always a handful, and you know, and it's just about concentrating for ninety minutes against guys like that who who don't switch off mentally themselves. Uh, so we're we're also working on playing in spaces and, and closing the ball down quickly. Uh, they don't get uh, good technical players on the ball. You talk a little bit there about you know moving the ball quickly. Both you and uh, Austin, you know, you know, center backs, but are good on the ball. Austin has the ability to carry the ball, pass through a couple lines, and you know you've shown that you can kind of hit longer passes sometimes. Is it, is that something you guys can kind of work out? Um, you know, who kind of picks up the ball off of Andre and who, who's. Or is that something you guys kind of read in in the situation? Uh, that's more just a reading of the game, and more so reading of the game from Andre to pick out the best option 
And then I think we, as a team, like to play up the right side a lot. Um, so the ball spends a lot of time over there, but uh, yeah, it, it depends a lot on um, Dre's distribution and, and who he feels is best to get it. It's uh, it's been an interesting year in terms of uh, the the lineup choices at center back. Um, you obviously had a really strong rookie year last year, and um, you're seemingly out of the the starting lineup for a while this year in, in favor of Mark. Mark goes down, and you, you've made a, a really good case for yourself over the last couple of weeks. What's it What's it like been in in practice and in training this year, trying to compete for those starting center back spots? Uh, I mean, it's good to have that kind of competition around. It makes everyone better. And, you know, that um, as a team and coaches, you know that you have uh, very good options from, uh, from three or four guys at the back that can, can all do a job whenever they're needed. Uh, it gives coaches and the rest of the team a lot of confidence. And, uh, you know, um, Keegan Rosenberry, who had a tough year last year, is playing a lot better uh, this year in the back line. He's really kind of solidified his position. How's, how's that kind of making the back line better and, uh, you know, you working off of him? Yeah, I think me and Keegan have a good understanding of how each other wants to play. And obviously we're both good on the ball and, uh, we can play between each other and with Harris dropping in it gives us three guys back there that are they're all good on the ball and defensively I think we're on the same page a lot of the time and and, and manage to do a good job on the right side. I mean what, one of the big stories for this year is has been the uh emergence of Austin Trusty as as a, a stalwart center back in this league. I, I think we've We've all been impressed over here, and I, I think people around the league have really taken notice. What, what do you see in Austin, and, and what is it like playing next to him? Uh, I mean, he's a, obviously he's a, he's a great defender, and there's not many people that are going to beat him in the air or beat him one v one. He can he most of the time stays switched on for ninety minutes, which for a nineteen year old is is. Uh, Almost very rare, but yeah, he's he's obviously got a bright future ahead of him, and and he started a, started his uh, MLS career strong this year. Well, Jack, I want to thank you uh, very much for sitting in with us uh, tonight. Good luck against New York and New England coming up, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Uh, Philadelphia Union defender Jack Elliott. I, mean, I think we should, they should give him a run up top. I mean, he's back. and why not? And I can't. I can't think of too many union goals that were back heeled in. Hey, I think maybe one other one. He's got more. Uh, he's got two more goals. He's got one more goal than uh, David Akam right now. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, I think he's, he's only got one less than CJ Sapong. Right. Right. So it's so, it's not been a prolific year for union strikers. No, it really hasn't. Um, but hey, they're winning on the road. They are four wins on the road this year. Um, I you would have told me that would have happened. I would say I would have laughed at you. But four wins on the road, not really beating good teams, but they're beating teams. They're beating the teams, beating the teams to... below them, which is 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 something that they've struggled with even the last two years. Yeah, um, it's it's always weird to me how 
teams struggle on the road in, in MLS. Uh, and, you know, I, I understand how the, the trip to Portland is difficult. It's far mm-hmm. away. The, the stadium is full. But the, the, the trips to New England and D.C. Are, are close. And, I mean, up until this year, especially with D.C., we're not full stadiums no. of people. So I, I don't know. It's always fascinating to me that the team struggles as much as they do on the road. Especially with East Coast teams. Like you said, you have you know you have a bus trip for New York and D.C. and, you know, a real short plane ride to, to – up to uh, up to Boston, as opposed to if you're you know you're Portland, you got to fly everywhere. You know? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've been impressed with the, with the Union on the road this year is that they, they've they've stuck to their game plan, yeah. and and they've been able to execute that game plan on 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 the road trips. They've been able to get their press higher. They've been able to possess the ball. They've been able to outpass opponents even in their buildings, which is just not something we've seen from mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Union in eight years of watching this team. And that's what frustra- is frustrating with this team is they are a more attractive team than they've been in, in the last couple of years. They are better with the ball and moving the ball and keeping the ball and, and you know, winning the ball back. And they have that kind of commitment to press and to they cough the ball up. You know, there's nine, ten guys on the field that are ready to turn around and jump on it. And, and they've just lacked that. You know they're an incomplete team again, and they've lacked that uh, uh, that striker up top, and they've lacked that goal scoring. And uh, you know they've gone through another window without it. You know, this is the second year in a row they've gone through you know the midseason window without addressing a glaring need. And you know, I've had you know one of our faithful listeners. Uh, he's been saying, you know, well, we got the guy, we got Corey Burke, and I, I like Corey Burke as much as anybody does, and I've always been pretty effusive with my praise about him he's he's good he's playing well he's not perfect this is the you know he's 26 27 this is his highest he's ever played league wise he's scoring goals he's making things happen which is great but you know you 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 have that concern that he regresses to the mean yeah you do um and the other other thing is, you know, I think you saw this this past weekend that CJ moves out to the wing, um, and then you you have no striker option off the bench. So when yeah. you when you get to a point where you're 65, 70 minutes into a game and you're and you're still tied or, or you're looking for a goal, um, there's there's not a lot of change of of pace guys that that you can bring in off the bench. Um, I mean, Jay Simpson must be completely just out of it at this point. Oh, he, if, I, he's if, not if, even an option. I don't think at this point. I mean, it's crazy to me that. That they're paying him half a million dollars a year to not make the eighteen every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that just speaks to the, that he's he's not cut out for this league. No. Um, but with, with Corey and and CJ available, I think it, it's frustrating to not have a third guy in that mm-hmm. mix just to mix it up, just right. to have another option, a guy that maybe is super fast, runs in behind, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a I mean, different you, you, type of striker. I mean, Herbers is back in. Kind of in the good graces. He's never of, played striker for the union, but though. he has. I mean, you know, he's he's projected he's marketed as, a, as a striker, right? But he's projected. I've as never a striker, seen him in the he, nine. No, and he played a lot at the nine for Bethlehem. He knocked in a bunch of goals, you know, down yeah. the, down for Bethlehem when and that. I think he's strength. very capable of playing the nine. I yeah. think his off the ball movement is is terrific sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and he like makes s- runs behind that that the other guys don't. Yeah, I'd like to see him get an opportunity. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been really curious if it's going to happen um, because even even the game against New England where you, you saw him come into the game in the seventy fifth minute um, to replace uh, Corey Burke, it just they put him right out on the right wing right. and CJ went up top. 
Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. And maybe if one of those guys gets hurt, is this the only way I see it though? Yeah. And, and, you know, being the way Jim wants to coach, I mean, they're going to stick to that formation, no matter the personnel. And if somebody comes in, you're going to have one striker, you're going to have three, three behind him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the way it's going to be. You're not going to have like Herbers tucked in behind a CJ, or you're not going to have, or the same thing with Burke. You're not going to have somebody get, you know, a second striker tucked in behind CJ to knock balls down. It's just not going to happen. Um, but yeah, they're they're in fifth place. I think highest standing they've been so far this year. Yeah. And they've, they've kind of scraped into, I think they're tied. They've tied on points. Yeah, with a better goal differential. The better, yeah, minus but, seven but versus kind of, minus ten. <laughs> Wow. Uh, but I looked that up and I was I was surprised. Right, but they've kind of scraped into that sixth spot a couple times this year. But, you know, they're in the fifth spot right now again, you know, kind of tenuously, but that's where they are. Um, so, I mean, that's a good thing to look at on the <laughs> when, you, when you kind of log into the to the app and see where they are in the stadium. It's a nice thing to see. Yeah. Uh, you just got to hope it's sustainable. And that's, that's, that's the problem with this team, though. And they're in a good run now. But it's always like, what do they do next? Yeah, it's 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 almost never the game they just had. It's all you're you're concerned about what they do next because they just don't always have that consistency. Yeah, and I th- you know I think this 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 weekend coming up is is a nice test of what is yeah. next because you have a team coming in that is above you in the standings, yeah. but you're you're hosting them in Philadelphia. You're on a good run of form, um, so I think you know getting a win against the team in front of them is is going to be a big mental block for this team because I don't think they've done it all season. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that they've beaten any of the Western Conference teams that are in the playoffs and they haven't beaten any of the Eastern Conference teams that are above them in the standings outside of beating Red Bull in the Open Cup. Right. Um, so to welcome a team in like NYFC that I think you can beat on a good day. And, yeah. I, and I think especially in your building, I think that's a, it's a really good test for the Union this week. It is. And, you know, it's you know, they, they, they have real potent attack. Yes. That we all know about. And uh, you got to hope your defenders are up for it. And it sounds like Jack's probably going to get the start again. Yeah, I think Mark's probably still a week away. Yeah. Um, probably Ray on the on the left. I think you're going to welcome El Sino back, though. And I think you'll be glad to welcome El Sino back because you've been a little bit light with wingers. You're light with wingers. And he, hey, they started CJ Sapong in the wing, which yeah, is something I recommended right. on the podcast. That Excellent. made me very happy. Thanks, Jim. He's <laughs> always listening. Um, I'm taking full credit. Sure it was do. definitely Why me. Not? Go ahead. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I'm always back and forth on El Senio, but I think to have him around, to have a guy that can get best, that can beat somebody off the dribble and that can possess another guy that can and he possess just, he for He brings here. Keegan into the game so much more than any of the other wingers. Yeah. And I just I don't know what it is. If if it's a comfort thing, if if they just they know each other so well, I I, I don't know. I think uh, you know, his, I think part of it is he 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 can drag defenders to him when yeah. he has the ball, and that that'll open up a lane for Keegan to kind of hit an overlap, and so he can he can knock that pass in for Keegan, and uh, so I think I think it's that I think it's, it's just his ability to hold the ball, yeah. right? his ability to get some time on the ball. I'm I'm gonna be interested to see what the starting wingers will look like because. Fafa Paco is suspended for Saturday, right. um, which I'm sure he'll be disappointed for as a guy from New York. Right, right, for sure. um, And for picking up a stupid yellow card against New England, he gets a yellow card for descent that, right. and gets suspended for this, this yeah, match. Yeah, you got to, yeah. But with the available wingers, you know, I would leave David Akam out of the 18 at this point, and if you can send him to Bethlehem, do it, because he's 
I mean, talk about a guy you're paying a lot to do nothing for yeah. you. It's, I it's, mean, it's 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 beyond time to send a message to this guy and say, if, if you would like to play professional soccer for the Philadelphia Union, you need to show that you're a professional soccer player because we haven't seen it all season. It's it's. I don't know what the answer is with him. I don't know. If, uh, I mean, you go back. I mean, going back to last Wednesday, Open Cup semifinal against his former team, and he jogged around the field for he 60 minutes. He had 11 completed passes, the, I think, the, and, the, and no completed dribbles. The complexion of that game changed as soon as the, for, the, for the union the, the minute he came off the field for CJ. Mm-hmm. But CJ instantly was integrated into the build-up play. Yeah, and, you know, I don't I don't think that any of us are, are super sold on CJ's abilities on the wing. He's not a great one-on-one player, but I, I think he he has the ability to at least combine with the other players around yeah. him in a way that, that David just looks like it's his first practice every time he goes out there. It, it, it's Yeah, we're you know, we're middle August now, and he, he just doesn't look like he knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think if if, if I'm thinking about the starting 11 for Saturday, I, I'm wondering if it's going to be CJ on the left and, and Fafa's usual place with El Senio coming right back into the side on the right. I think I would do that it's strong. I don't, I don't want to see David Akam. Uh, Marcus Epps has been ineffective in his last couple out, uh, he's a nice option off the bench. Uh, you have Fabian Herbers available too, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I'm wondering if it's going to be how these guys practice this week. But um, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I I, I I would do that. I think, um, especially if you have a 100 percent El Senio, I think he, he he you want him to get the start. Yeah, I mean, and the other option is moving Ali Bedoya out to the wing, and which we really haven't we, seen all we, year. I mean, you saw it, I think, for ten minutes against New England, which mm-hmm. is the most we've seen it all season. Right. So I, I'm not going to count on that. And I, I get the sense that Jim really likes his midfield three. Yeah, with, with they're Harris, as good Bork, as I mean, Ali. they really are as good as anybody right now. They, they've been that, very good together. That three. I mean, I think Bedoya has had his best season for the Union. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Doshkal has been a, a very nice signing at the ten. Yeah. Harris has been the the weaker of the, the weakest of the three, if you look at week in, week out, and, you know, he's still performing at a very high level. Yeah, he is. I, I think, you know, like, I think we talked about it last week. He had to change a lot of his game from last year into this year, and it took him a while, and he's still, you know, he's still not the defensive guy you want, you, you kind of want yeah. in, that, in that six. Yeah, that's but. the only th- thing I question for this weekend coming up with, you know, we're talking about New York's potent attack, is having a pure six in there, whether it's Warren or... or I don't mind giving any of those guys a breather. Um, I, I would, yeah, yeah. I, I would think about, I I wouldn't mind giving Harris a breather just because he's kind of on that other side of thirty. He works really, you know, he has a pretty good work rate. He's he's played nearly every minute this season. He's played a ton, mm-hmm. and if you get into the playoffs, you're going to need him. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't. I don't think it's a terrible thing to rotate him out. It's that's I know it's talking about that. It's like crazy talk, but I don't, I don't think, think it's it, that crazy. I I I, I we don't. <laughs> you and I would I don't. tell you if I thought it was crazy no, too. You, well, I know, but you and I don't <laughs> think it's crazy. But you know the way the union operates yes. is a bit crazy. All right, uh, real quick, because uh, we're going to move on to our next segment in a moment. But prediction against the uh, dreaded NYCFC. I think they win. I think it's going to be 1-0. Wow, look at you, Mr. Confident. Uh, I'm less confident. I'm going 1-1. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, I think. I was close to 1-1. I think. 
think it surprised me. Um, but I, I think they've been on such a good run. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a slight hiccup in the next two games. And You'd rather have it be this week than next week, right? Uh, yeah, because you, 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 you want to beat New England again. You you want you know start putting some space in between you and the you, you teams got, below you, the red you line. Got, you got your foot on New England's neck at this point. Yeah. I, I think you got to yeah finish them off. Mm-hmm. And just one of those teams like Chicago, where you just yep. push them farther down away from you, and you get some separation. I agree. Um, so yeah, it, it, if you get four points out of these two, next two games. I don't care how you do it, that's fine, but realistically I see a draw with New York and a win against New England. That's yeah. I think I think you take that. Yeah. Um so next segment we're gonna mix it up a little bit. We're gonna get a fan perspective in here because we have a fan in the studio. Not just any fan. Well, yeah. That's our only fan. <laughs> it's our only fan. <laughs> yes, we have it's been, it's been, we've worked a long time to get one. So Seriously. let's celebrate um, him. Um so in the studio is a Union fan and a U.S. soccer fan uh, whose uh, uh, name you might find familiar, actually, if you're a longtime listener of KYW News Radio. And uh, if, if, yeah, so this is a good name you're going to find familiar, but we have Brian McDonough here. It took everything I had in my, <laughs> in my being not to say doctor, but we have Brian <laughs> McDonough here, who is the, the son of the great Dr. Brian McDonough, who's here on KYW News Radio every, every day. Uh, giving out, uh, he's our medical editor here, and uh, Brian uh, reached out to me a while ago, wanting to get involved in the podcast a little bit, and he's a big soccer fan, and uh, so uh, good to have you here, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and the, brought you in here a couple reasons. The main reason we brought you in here, though, is you had a great opportunity this mm-hmm. summer to go to the World Cup, and we really wanted to get your uh, perspective as a fan going to Russia to see some of the games. So, uh, uh you were there mainly for the group stages, you said, right? I was there. I was there for two weeks uh, for five matches. Okay. Which matches? Okay, so opening <laughs> match, Russia-Saudi Arabia. Okay. Which was a complete blowout, 5 nothing. Yeah. I was there for the Brazil-Costa um, Rica match. Mm-hmm. I was there for Germany-Mexico, which was, of course, oh, the upset match. Oh, match, yeah. Lasagna scored, yep. I was there for Argentina-Nigeria, uh, which pushed Argentina through to the uh, round yeah. of 16. And I was there for, I'm leaving one out, uh, Portugal-Morocco, mm-hmm. which wasn't extremely memorable. But. Uh, one, one, one nil? <laughs> yeah, 1-0 yeah. match. Yep. But yeah. you got to see uh, Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo scored, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah header off of a corner kick. Yeah, right, early in the game. So yeah. mostly between St. Petersburg and Moscow. So um, what was your impression kind of overall of, of the experience of a World Cup? Of the World Cup yeah, or of your, Russia? Uh, okay. both, both. Both? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, it was my first World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to go to another World Cup because it was an incredible experience. Arriving there in Moscow was out of this world. Just being there, it, it seemed kind of like it was a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Didn't really you know, expect to have the opportunity, but when I arrived and got off the train, because there's multiple trains in Russia, um, I felt lost. Um, <laughs> but of course, going to Luzhniki Stadium, that was an incredible experience. Um, you know, packing in... 75,000, every game was sold out. And uh, I think this, overall the tournament was run really well. I mean, they did an incredible job, in my opinion. But uh, really when it came down to it, just from each game, the, the fans, the perspective of watching as a fan there and 
um, not necessarily having the U.S. involved was right. interesting. Mm-hmm. What, uh, were, what were the Russian fans like? Uh, I mean, you, went, you got to see Russia, Saudi Arabia. Russia, yeah. Russia really not known as a, a, a soccer nation, known as a sporting nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah. the Russian fans... Passionate, big into it. They're pa- they are passionate about their country. Uh, well, you know, the first match was kind of subdued to start, uh, but once the second goal and the third goal and yeah. fourth goal rolled in, uh, they got really into it. Um, they got behind it. Um, kind of reminded me similar to potentially the early stages of soccer here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, they yeah they they were behind their team. And the facilities uh, in Russia. What were they like, the stadiums? Uh, it could get the... controversial here. So the, uh, <laughs> the stadiums, you know, they, they were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as everything else goes, you know, the, the lines for service were very long. Right. You know, interesting. Just enough. getting, getting um, a sandwich. They did run out of beer. beer. Oh. So that did actually That's happen. <laughs> that did happen. I know that seemed like a rumor in the news, but that did happen at the mm-hmm. stadium. Um, but as, you know, as a spectator, it was great. Okay. It really was. Um, there wasn't a bad seat in that stadium. St. Petersburg was in Zenit Stadium, mm-hmm. and uh, Luzhniki is where uh, CSK Moscow plays. Okay. So. And kind of watching the different fans move around and mingle and mix and all that, what was, uh, did you see anything? No, surprisingly crazy? enough, yeah. there was, I didn't see one scuffle. Mm-hmm. I didn't see one fight. Um, you know, every, all the fans behaved really well. Uh, you know, you saw... Of course, the rivalries, Brazil, Argentina, mm-hmm. um, they were, fans were going at it. I didn't see many English fans there. Um, you know, they were in other cities, and I think they right. were kind of told not to go to Moscow, not to go to the, <laughs> the World Cup. But, uh, you know, beyond that, though, uh, Australia, all the fans were there just to kind of enjoy, to mm-hmm. take, in, take in the event. And, uh, yeah, it was did, you, did you come across many Americans? Came across, yeah, just uh, random couples. You know, a lot of couples were there, Americans. Um, just there to support soccer. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily um, following any team, kind of like myself, but mm-hmm. I did. And it's funny because when you go through the FIFA ticket allocation, they, they sit you next to other Americans. Right. So I thought I was going to sit next to Argentinians, Mexicans, Germans. I was sitting next to other Americans, which right. is kind of a buzzkill. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, and we were talking before, uh, before we start recording just how other fans were kind of encountering you as an American sure. and, and can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was interesting because, uh, you know, the perception of soccer in the United States abroad is what you make of it. Um, you know, depending on what tr- country you travel to right. and to get a different perspective, uh, over there, you know, I would have fans coming up to me. Why are you here? The United States isn't even in the world cup. Some fans didn't even realize that the United States wasn't in the world cup because they're used to them being in the world cup since 1990. Right. Um, but that being said, I think there were generally surprised that I was there, that I was there in attendance. And, um, you know, I'd bring up names. They'd say, well, how, what's the state of the United States men's national team right now? Bring up Christian Pulisic. They were surprised to even hear that he was American. They thought he was German. <laughs> um, certain players, Weston McKenna, you know, they, they would know mm-hmm. the certain guys. Right. But overall, I think they were just happy that Americans were there and, um, you know, making the trip over. That's have, cool. have you, Greg, have you traveled abroad to talk to other people about Soccer, no, because it's always been interesting to me when I've been yeah. abroad. I mean, I was I was in France for the start of the World Cup, um, but more specifically, I was in in Holland a couple of years ago, and I was wearing my Reading FC hat, and this this guy started talking to me about soccer, and he automatically assumed I was English, mm-hmm. I was wearing a Reading hat, and um, and he heard me talk for a little while, and he was like, "You're not English, you're Australian." And I was like, "No, I'm American." And he was like, 
you're an American that likes soccer. And it was just, it blew his mind mm-hmm. almost. I mean, I, so it's, it's always interesting to me that the interactions that people have overseas when, when they're, they're knowledgeable soccer fans, especially like, you know, I, I, you know, talking to you, I know, you know, all the, the soccer leagues, you know, the USA guys, yeah. um, and, and on the same way. And I, you know, I watched EPL, I watched Bundesliga, whatever. So you just like, I don't think that a lot of Europeans are even aware that American fans are on the same level. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, the loudest people get noticed. And I think the loudest people in America when it comes to soccer to people that don't like it. Yeah. I think that's changing. Obviously a lot of it's changing, yeah. but the, thankfully most of those people are dying. <laughs> Cause they're old. One. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't going there. But I'm going there. You. All right. Thank you, Mike. MLS though. Yeah. Um, a lot of people did have interest in MLS. Okay. There. Uh, the one thing, you know, I'd run into groups of Russian fans, mm-hmm. um, and they would, you know, oh, you're American, uh, you know, let's talk about soccer. And uh, a lot of them, oh, well, it's not big in the United States. And other ones would stand up and say, no, so- you ever seen MLS match? And I was mm-hmm. surprised to hear that. They pack the stands, they have beautiful arenas. So it's kind of catching on and maybe yeah. television contract-wise and coverage over there. Yeah, because Sky's, yeah, yeah, Sky's yeah. been yeah. showing MLS in now. For, for years. I yeah. don't know about like in Span of Canal or any of those channels pick up MLS, but I know Sky, it's been on Sky for yeah, a long time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because – I'm friends with a lot of Reading fans on Twitter, and uh, they watch MLS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 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 very comparable to especially championship soccer in England. Um, so I think that they're 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 used to, to mm-hmm. seeing that level. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting to me. I, I, I was yeah, I, I was thought because we certainly don't watch the Russian league here. No, not at all. No, and and you know it's a other topic that you know ESPN Plus now has just about every league. Yeah. In the universe that you can watch, but yeah. uh, so I'm never leaving my house until May. I guess, yeah. <laughs> but um, I didn't realize you left now. Well, we're actually you know, just to come here and <laughs> do my thing. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's interesting to get that perspective, though, mm-hmm. of what uh, because you know America, we not all our our sports, I think, export well, except for basketball. I think basketball is probably the most international sport that Absolutely. comes from America. Because and I, and I think, it, it, to me, I think there's a lot of parallels between soccer and basketball. Because I, I think it's the people's sport, at least. And that's one of the things that kind of holds the sport soccer up here, that's not perceived as a people's sport. But basketball and soccer, I think, are like the people's sport. It's the sport of, you know, I thought, sport of the parks. It's the sport of the street. It's it the was, sport, you know. It was really interesting to me traveling around France for two weeks because it was really popular to see um, – Schools that had a, a, a soccer court that was a basketball court. Mm-hmm. They, 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 we saw lots of these uh, soccer goals that basically had basketball hoops on them. Right. Um, so I, I agree that they, they definitely see it as the people's yeah. sport. And I don't know, was was there like a, a soccer culture around Russia too? You know, there, there really wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Adidas kind of set up camp there. They had this uh, mini soccer plex that they, that they set up, and you had a lot of young – Russian youth players playing around, pretty skilled. But beyond that, I didn't see many soccer fields. Okay. Of course, hockey's yeah. huge there. I mean, it's yeah. it's a hockey so, nation. Yeah, it's a hockey nation. I mean, for years and years and years, they dominated. You know, as we all know, on the international level, and it's mm-hmm. been, you know, and exporting great players for years and things like that. Yeah, it's it's it's. You would think soccer for in Russia and going back to the Soviet era, it was always a great sporting nation in the Olympics and. 
you know, in the team sports, even, even in basketball. I mean, they were a fine basketball country for a long time, I think. Since the breakup, as I think a lot of better players came like from Lithuania and those mm-hmm. parts of the country, you know, see those countries getting better. But so it's it's interesting as good as a sporting culture that Russia slash USSR has and had that they're not better in soccer. You know, you yeah. you would think they would be just because they put so much energy in the sports. It's hard. It's harder for steroids to help you in soccer. <laughs> You're it just. <laughs> <laughs> feeling it today, Mike. Yeah, you were just there. It, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if this team, this Russian national team, has some sort of impact on that, though. Right. Yeah, I, was, I mean, it, I mean, I think a good run. Sh- I mean, I think that it probably will. I mean, you, you would think if you it, go if you go back to 1994 with the U.S. Yeah. team, yeah. I think that was a huge impact on on U.S. soccer. That, oh, absolutely, that, that you can still feel today because you had. I don't think I would be sitting here doing this right. if it wasn't for that P- World Cup. Because you had MLS was on the horizon for 1996, but if the U.S. didn't have, you know. As a team and as a nation, such a successful World Cup in '94. Who knows what MLS would have looked like when it when it started? And, and I'm not saying it, it you know hit the ground running. I mean, it had its troubles are well documented. But you know, if it had you know it had that just that big push in '94, so maybe how well they played and how well the nation responded that the the Russian league takes that leap. And it was you know pretty cool actually when I arrived in Russia, landed in Moscow. Turned my phone on. The first news I got was that U.S. was hosting in 2026. Yeah. Yeah. So I arrived on Russian soil, and the news came out. <laughs> and the whole plane, plane actually, because every, everyone's soccer fans, erupted in cheers yeah. at the same time simultaneously. That's awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, that was very cool. And that's, you know, that was a, that's a great thing. I'm yeah. so happy that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, it should be the next World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. It should be 2026. It should be. should know, be 2022. Yeah. It should it ought to be. Could yeah. be still. You don't want to get me started on Qatar today. No, <laughs> no, not the way you're feeling it today, man. You could <laughs> we might give you just your own podcast this week. Uh, where you could just vent. You know, it's, it's been a really long day. I see, the I the Academy of Natural Sciences sent yeah. me on a field trip with sixty kids. So, um, <laughs> so we got you. You know, we have a fan, an actual live, live, real live fan in the in the booth with us this week, and you're a Union fan. I am. Um, I'm so a season ticket holder. What's great. Uh, you know, it's, it's where we get an opportunity to do this. We have sort of in the past, but we, we, we kind of engage with fans on Twitter, which is fun. Um, but being a season ticket holder, what do, you, what do you think so far this year? I think you guys so far have nailed it on the head as far as their performance. Yeah. Um, it, they've kind of do seem like they're in a perpetual five-year plan every year. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like this year they, they are moving in the right direction, um, you know, Further than halfway along the season, what thirty points, fifth place? Uh, you just, it's now's the time. There's kind of a little yeah. bit of a gap between the top teams yeah. in the Eastern Conference and the Union. But if they can close that gap before the end of the year, I, they could shock some people in the playoffs if they, if they get in. What are, what are your thoughts about being around the stadium this year? Because I think um, the eight years preceding this year have really caught up with the union in terms of getting people to turn out for the games. I think the the uh, the River End is rarely sold out. The mm-hmm. the stadium is rarely over fifteen thousand, um, even for the Open Cup semifinal. I mean, which is always the, the Open Cup games are tough, but it was only maybe six thousand. Yeah. Um, so what do you do? You, do you think it's just the the product of not being a great team for so long? Uh, I honestly think it's a product of it's kind of we've reached the MLS 2.0 stage. 
And I think that the Union, in some respects, with their stadium, are a little bit behind. Uh, you know, I think it's a beautiful spot. But you see Atlanta, what they're doing. You mm-hmm. see all these projections, um, you know, in other cities that are coming up. And uh, I'm not going to knock it. I, I feel fortunate to have a team here, fortunate to have an MLS franchise. But they need to, do, they need to make some changes. Um, unfortunately, they can't expand the stadium because we're not getting the fans right now. Um, but they do definitely need to do something to draw some more people in. And we talked a little bit, again, before we record it, we are talking about uh, Ernst Tanner. And we, it's some of the comments around that and some of the comments that, like, Jay Sugarman made about doing it differently, which is stuff he said, but he got very as kind of emotional as I think we've seen Jay Sugarman and just kind of, which isn't very emotional. Yeah. I mean, and we it, don't see Jay Sugarman we a don't lot see either. Jay, but very talking about, you know, being able to line up with other teams and talent and things like that. When you hear that from ownership as a fan, what would, you know, and you talked about a little bit there, like, you know, being, MLS 2.0 is kind of happening, and and the union are kind of like MLS 1.3. Yeah, know? exactly. And, and you hear Jay kind of talking, Jay Sugarman kind of talking about that. I mean, as a fan, is that a tough pill to swallow? It is, um, especially when you're a major East Coast city and mm-hmm. you're a major market here in the United States. It's tough seeing your team kind of falling behind, you know, Seattle falling behind Portland, and you're kind of looking. We're we're Philadelphia. We're a huge city, and mm-hmm. we have a proud sports culture here. Yeah, um, and a proud soccer culture, and especially. a proud soccer culture. Exactly. I mean, we we'll fill the link up for international games, U.S. men's national team games. So, what are we doing wrong on the club level? Um, I, you know, I, th- I think time will tell. I think if if we can create a winning team here, mm-hmm. and if and the new sporting director can do that, yeah. and if we can somehow, along with the academy, bring in talent. And move out the yeah. guys who are kind of eating up uh, the contract space right here. I think I think we'll be successful. Yeah, we're. I'm optimistic as a fan. <laughs> That's as you great. Can tell, no. You know, I'm you glad. Kind of, That's good. To, it's still it's still it's a young team. We have still. we have time to beat it out of you. Still. Been, what, eight, eight, <laughs> eight years. Eight years. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about the union uh, being in fifth place right now mm-hmm. in the Open Cup final. We talked a little bit about what we could call a successful season for the union on last week's podcast. And I, I'd be interested to hear your perspective as a fan. Did the union need to win the open cup final to be a successful team this year? I, I think the union to make the playoffs to be successful. I think that's what I'm most into right now. Um, I think the union, I mean, sorry, the, the cup would be great to bring home. I mean, this is their third final and uh, you know, since the franchise existed. So I, I'd love to see them win their first trophy even. Um, that'd be great. That'd be a step in the right direction. But I think a playoff push is what most fans want to see. If they if they win the cup and miss the playoffs, is that a successful season? It's a successful season. I don't think it's a step back, but I don't think it's really a step. It's a step forward, half step forward, <laughs> but it's a full step forward if we can make the playoffs. Yeah, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, I, I think they have to start. I mean, we talked about this last week a little bit, but they really need eight years into this. Mm-hmm need to establish themselves as a playoff team somehow. And, you know, they're sitting in fifth place, which, you know, gets you a ticket to the to the show. And once you get in, you know, it's it's similar to kind of what could happen in NHL. You got a hot goalkeeper, and we have as good a goalkeeper as you have in the league. You get a good defense. This, this union 
defense has the ability to be a lights out defense. Not maybe not game in game out, but for one or two games they can, you know, turn the screws. You know, and the scoring is what the scoring is. But if you kind of have that tandem of goalkeeping and defense in the playoffs, you could ride that. We've seen it. <laughs> it could happen. I, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I, and I think one of the, the, the tough things for Union fans to ingest is that even if they make the playoffs, they're not going to host a game. Right. They're going to have a really difficult away game. Yeah. And that that's the, the trouble is that you're not pushing for one of those top three spots where you're, or, you know, even three or four in the being able to host a game. They're going to have to go to Columbus. They're going to have to go to New York or, you know, or Red Bulls. Or, or Atlanta, I mean, yeah. and all just really, really hard things to do right now. So I, I think it's it's going to be interesting whether enough it's going to be enough to just be mm. in the playoff and probably lose the first game again. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, no I, I don't, I don't bringing us down all the time. I, I, at some what point, you you have to get your franchise's first playoff win. Yeah. At some point, you got to do that, and you know. First trophy, right? And it took yeah, you know, it, nice. it, it, yeah, it was five that. years between playoff appearances last time, so there's no guarantee. I mean, yeah. nothing's guaranteed. Uh, so I guess we'll wrap it up on that. Uh, I want to thank Brian, yeah, thanks guys, for coming thanks in. Yeah, yeah, coming yeah. in. Thank cool you. perspective thank on the you. world, especially definitely on the world cup, you know. And uh, glad you got to experience that. Glad you, you know, mm-hmm. came up and talked to us about that. And uh, uh, thank Mike for sitting in the uh, co-host chair. Always, always my pleasure. Always, uh, everybody's sorry, pleasure. Sorry, sorry for being such a bummer this you're week. You're fine. You're uh, just that's, that's who you know, I am. No, you're, I'm a bummer. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, and we will uh, catch everybody soon.